0: Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. The date of this recording is Saturday, February the 20th, and it's been a hectic week for the weather for a lot of different places, but most particularly for the state of Texas, That's been dealing with a downpour of snow that they weren't really built for. So we've seen a lot of houses collapsing, chandeliers with icicles falling down, sleeping with snow falling on top of you. It's been a disaster down there. Luckily for places like New York where I'm staying, we're built for the snow. It's something that happens every year. So a lot of the ways the housing is built, A lot of the ways the streets are built, the protocols in place, they're prepared for snow to strike at any moment around wintertime. So for Texas, as they figure out how to recover and further prepare for any other unexpected weather events, there's a lot of money being funded down there, a lot of awareness being raised to help those people out. And hopefully everything turns out well and there's not too many more casualties. ...for what's going on in Texas. But that aside, we've had a full week of events, particularly for sports and film... ...as we'll have another deep dive into WandaVision. But I'll start off with the NBA. Where this week, Joel Embiid, the center for the Philadelphia 76ers... ...has further cemented his MVP application, his MVP campaign... As the player who I nominated as being the dark horse in the race is continuing to make his stake, most recently with a 50-point performance, his career high in scoring, where he just absolutely dominated the Chicago Bulls on national TV. Joel Embiid has shown that he's an ultimate three-level scorer for his position, despite That not being a typical term used for centers, Joel Embiid is shooting at a highly efficient rate, both from the mid-range and the three-point line, to the point where his defenders are forced to come out and defend the three, and he's learned how to drive very effectively and at bare minimum get to the free-throw line as teams try and figure out how to defensively plan against him. But he's slowly but surely becoming one of the biggest offensive threats in the league. And it sure helps his MVP campaign that he's one of the best defenders at his position as well. So as the Philadelphia 76ers continue their race to being the number one team in the Eastern Conference, claiming that title from the previous holders, the Milwaukee Bucks, who's been... Sliding in terms of their dominance of the conference, Joel Embiid will be putting together a strong piece of evidence for him to win that award. And if he continues to be as dominant on the defensive end, he could repeat what Giannis did in being a DPOY defensive player of the year. But for now, I wanted to give him his flowers as he's leading that 76ers team to the most success they've seen since Allen Iverson. And handedly had the highest scoring game for a Philadelphia 76er since Allen Iverson was the MVP for that team. And on the other end of things, Anthony Davis, the former, or some still believe, best big man in the league, unfortunately suffered an Achilles strain. And now Anthony Davis is expected to be out for about a month at minimum. And the Lakers have already backslid in terms of being the best team in the league. They're now losing to some of the less potent teams as LeBron is proving that as great as he is, he still needs that number two who can not only hold the scoring load, but be there on the defensive side of the floor as Marc Gasol being their defensive anchor is not ideal especially if they want to make a run for the championship. I anticipate that the result of Anthony Davis's injury will be an unfortunate drop in their seeding within the Western Conference, which means they'll have a more difficult matchup to start off the playoffs. But if Anthony Davis can make it back by playoff time, it would be a big mistake to count them out. But in terms of teams finding their footing... The Brooklyn Nets are starting to settle into their position as offensive juggernauts in the Eastern Conference. They still have some issues to be addressed with regards to their defensive capabilities. DeAndre Jordan won't be able to get it done. And we know that Kevin Durant, the best player on the team, can be an anchor of sorts. But they'll still need to recruit some help. They've already signed Iman Shumpert to be a defensive player for them, but they'll need a little bit more help for me to trust them in the playoffs. Because at their current rate, though they seem to have sparked something, and they still don't have many games with the big three Durant, Harden, and Kyrie playing together, they will find a way to win games by outscoring teams purely based on offensive ability. But as soon as one of the big three has a bad game As soon as that efficiency drops even a little, you'll have them be susceptible to a team like the 76ers as aforementioned. When Joel Embiid can walk in there and drop 50 on the Nets as no one at the current moment would be able to hold him. So it remains to be seen what the Nets will do to shore up their play on the defensive side of the ball. But that offensive squad, That they are rolling out there every night is unbelievable, historical at times. And it still remains to be seen. Will Steve Nash be able to put everything together, have one of the greatest offensive teams, from a pure talent perspective, be able to put out the necessary statistics, the necessary efficiency to be a championship level team? I hope that we end up seeing a matchup between the Sixers and the Nets in the playoffs, but that will more than likely be based on how the Nets figure out their defensive capabilities. And they likely could take some notes from the Portland Trailblazers, who after losing C.J. McCollum, their second best scorer on the team, and Yusuf Nurkic, by far their best big man, They were expected to backslide all the way down to the bottom of the Western Conference. Granted, Damian Lillard is a phenomenal player. One of the best point guards, in my opinion, the second best point guard in the league behind Steph Curry. But we've seen that that is not always enough to find success in the NBA. We're watching Luka Doncic, who is an amazing young talent in the league, mainly on the offensive side of the floor, but a perennial triple-double threat in Luka Doncic is still not enough to have the Mavericks in playoff contention. Now, they've gotten Kristaps back, but clearly they haven't shown enough to be the team that they were last year where they were a legitimate upset threat as they approach the playoffs. But Damian Lillard has shown that his greatness transcends His ability to put the ball in the basket, it transcends his ability to put the ball in the right positions and playmake. His greatness is as a leader, as he takes a relatively young squad and is winning games that, on paper, they really should not be winning. Now, part of that is Lillard statistically being one of the clutchest players over the last decade. But on top of that, he has players like Gary Trent Jr. playing out of his mind. Likely, he will be one of the players who receives a big bag in the offseason. He has Carmelo Anthony resurging in his career, being a great force off the bench. A 15-point-per-game scorer when needed. And in the end, these injuries, though they're never wished upon players... This created a lane, an opportunity for some of the younger guys, the Gary Trents, the Afroni Simmons, as I mentioned in the last episode, to step up. And this means when they get their second and third best players back in CJ McCollum, in Yusuf Nurkic, they might have something serious going on down in Portland, by which... If their younger players, if their role players are stepping up when they need them, they deserve the respect as a championship-level team. And it's unfortunate that Damian wasn't able to show all of that last year in the playoffs when he got injured after Game 1. But outside of the NBA, we had a GOAT matchup of sorts in the world of tennis as the great Serena Williams, the greatest tennis player of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time, took on the mirror image of hers, the young, prodigal, rising tennis star who admittedly took after Serena Williams, followed her, studied her every move, and trained to become the great tennis player that Serena has been, And in many forms and shapes and ways, still is. And of course, I'm talking about Naomi Osaka. The rising tennis star took on Serena Williams in a great match. But unfortunately for Serena, Naomi is looking hungry. And at a very young age, she's looking to still not have reached her prime. And as Serena, who's known for having one of the deadliest serves in the world of tennis, Naomi Osaka was able to return it. She claimed to have been guessing, but with such accuracy, you could tell that she was training long and hard to be able to quite handily defeat Serena Williams and move forward to ultimately win the championship. So we're watching a passing of the guard as Serena was in tears in her press conference when asked about whether or not this would be one of her last matches. But it should be seen as a moment to celebrate Serena's success and acknowledge the massive influence that she's had on women's tennis and on sports in general with her absolute dominance over the better part of 20 years. So now we'll watch as what seems to be her successor in Naomi Osaka starts to begin a a dominant stretch of her career. At least that seems what we're on the cusp of with the greatness that she's displayed. So it was a busy sports week and we can move on to the music side of things where the main story of the entire week was the reveal of what Fenty Rihanna's makeup and clothing company what it was valued at. And it was reported that as of this moment, Fenty has surpassed a billion-dollar valuation, which suggests that Rihanna has now reached a net worth comparable with a billion dollars. And what this really is a lesson in is the diversification of revenue sources. Rihanna, who we all know to be the superstar in the world of music, her R&B album, she has multiple classic albums, multiple hit songs, simply one of the most valuable catalogs in the world of R&B. And that's not even considering the fact that her fame is transcending globally. So when you consider that a superstar of this nature would have been far from a billion dollar net worth strictly off of her music. The move to leverage her position as a great artist and turn that into the revenue based on investing in clothing, investing in makeup, knowing what her worth would be in that field, knowing that. People will be willing to invest in a great product, putting her face behind that and turning what would have been hovering around, at best, the low hundred million range and turning that into being touching a billion. It just shows that even if you have a skill in one area, you should learn how to construct a portfolio. Learn how to take your revenue from there, put it in the right investments, and think about generating generational wealth for you and your family. So we have to give our round of applause for Rihanna doing so, for Rihanna leaving behind lessons and a potential path for other artists out there. Not just the superstars, there's plenty of smaller artists learning how to diversify how to invest, and in turning their attention in this new social media attention market into the financial means to sustain their career and make a living off of it. And in the more fun music news, two relatively well-known artists in the rap world, Rick Ross and 2 Chains, both released individual tiny desks if you're unfamiliar, their little concert series where artists could come and perform a few songs of their choice with a live band. Rick Ross had a phenomenal performance. There was some funny memes and dialogue around his backup singers taking over the performance. But if you're a fan at all of his music, that's worth checking out. And just a fan of live music in general, there was some good sounds being put out there in Two Chains. In what I believe, I'm not a tiny desk connoisseur, but in what I believe to be the first of any tiny desk ever, 2 Chains performed his songs while getting a pedicure on his feet. And his entire performance just exuded luxurious energy with some nice, sleek, low-lighting, And what I believe to be a surprisingly great performance while sitting down. So if you're a fan of any of those two artists or just enjoy checking out Tiny Desk, I recommend that as my new music moment of the week to check out. But without further ado, we can move on to the film section where we had another episode of WandaVision, episode 7. This time, they ventured into the style of kind of The Office mixed with Modern Family. The theme song was clearly Office-influenced. So we had Wanda and Vision giving those Office-style recaps of what's going on, where they talk to the camera, saying what their perspective on a moment is. And it was all fun and games. Until we went back to what was going on with Vision where he was still trying to figure out how to escape the hexagonal dome. There's still questions as to whether or not the world is entirely Wanda's creation. But the big reveal of the episode was in the end. After Monica tried to penetrate the hexagonal dome and get to Wanda... And tell her that she needs to fix what's going on. She needs to not let herself be painted as the villain of the show. The one who's been just looking absolutely heinous for the entire show. Looking in the Among Us terminology words, sauce. Agatha revealed herself to be a witch. Agatha displaying what seemed to be similar superpowers to Wanda revealed that it was Agatha all along in a music number as she sung and they displayed scenes where Agatha was secretly controlling things going on from Pietro aka Quicksilver to the magic show where Vision was making random things move and disappear Agatha was secretly, right alongside Wanda, making sure that everything was going according to plan. And with that, they ended the episode as Monica seemed to have gained some superpowers, as she could see through the energy field and see the powers within Agatha's branches in her basement. But questions still remain to be answered. Is Agatha the one controlling the entire world? Is Vision even alive? Because we only saw Vision able to move and be his true self when combined with the Mind Stone. But we all saw what happened at the end of Avengers Endgame. There was no reference to the Mind Stone being recovered and put back into Vision. So I still have to ask the question, is Vision truly alive? Now, I believe the next episode will have a lot to unveil. As we see if Wanda tries to attack Agatha in response to being revealed as a witch. If Wanda actually teams up with Vision, if Vision is able to reach Wanda in time to save her. If that ends up being the case, it's it's hard for me to make a projection on what's going to happen because so much is up in the air. I don't know if Monica might end up having some amazing superpowers that she could start messing with what's going on or if secretly Agatha is upon herself because as we have heard her state multiple times, The person who's had the most gripes with Agatha has been her husband, who we still don't know who he is. He's never been shown. And it looks like she lives in that house alone and might have been protected considering that Wanda and Vision's son couldn't hear anything in there. Who knows? Her husband might be some secretly powerful person or Agatha with her clearly potent abilities, might just be able to overwhelm Wanda's world and have some secret plan behind the scenes that she's attempting to execute. Because she has magnificently concealed herself in the world and convinced everyone outside of Wanda until now That she's just a regular everyday person. Even Vision was under the spell as he thought that she was as confused as everyone else in the world. So every episode will continue to get better and better, hopefully. And we'll have to sit and wait for the new episode to be revealed this Friday. And that will allow us. To transition to the final section, the gaming section, where it seems like, right on time, somehow, some way, as I talk about how there's gonna be a move in the gaming industry to film, right on time, when my prediction, a Mortal Kombat movie trailer is revealed. Now, we knew that this was in production. But there's a negative connotation at the moment with video game movies. Historically, they've missed the mark on being truly good movies. Sonic the Hedgehog was able to get a good pass. I actually enjoyed that movie a significant amount. But traditionally speaking, video game movies are a 50-50 chance of being something enjoyable or just being straight up trash And they could have kept a lot of them that were unveiled. But this week, the Mortal Kombat trailer came out and it hit on every mark that you would want. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that it's going to be a good movie. Because there's a lot that wasn't shown with regards to the story. It seemed that at a bare bones level, it aligned with the fundamental theme Of a big tournament where the greatest fighters in the world can come and compete for ultimate glory. But they have iconic characters in there. All the fan favorites it seems like are in there. Sub-Zero is being portrayed as a villain. They had the iconic get over here. Though I felt like they could have done a better job of making that moment more dramatic. But overall it seems like it's going to have the gore the action, and the character personality types that match what was going on in the video game. So I look forward to that movie that appears to be released on HBO Max in April. And that could be a big step forward in what I've anticipated as film being a new regular source of revenue in the gaming industry. As a lot of these games that have been Compared to movies, will find a way to turn their concept, the vast amount of money that's invested into making sure that the stories are tightened up in every area, finding a way to leverage that into the film industry. But outside of that, a big war is still taking place. Now, I reported on this late last year. Apple starting a war with Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite, as Apple is exercising its leverage as being one of the biggest companies in the world. And they straight up said to Fortnite, we're not going to allow you to be on this platform and bypass us for profit. Now, there's some serious implications in terms of Apple monopolizing their Platform when a company like Epic Games can't put their game on there without paying a cut considering how dominant Apple is in the mobile gaming world, which I've also noted has a lot of room for growth as an industry. But that aside, Apple is now fighting to acquire information from some big gaming giants. The only noted one is Valve, a company that has over 400 games. And Apple is essentially trying to put together a case to say the amount of money and data that is being collected by this company, Epic Games, can be compared to others. And what they're going to try and fight this by saying is likely going to be that Apple is offering them such. An immaculate, deep dive of data, information, and access that they deserve their fair cut in the process. Now, I can't side with one or the other because they both raise fair points. I just want to point out that Apple's actions are very similar to what you would imagine with a monopoly in any industry let alone the mobile gaming landscape. But lastly, the new movement in the gaming industry, just to report on it, appears to be Grand Theft Auto role-playing. Now, this was something that has existed for a very long time. Grand Theft Auto is, when you try to think of objectively what is the greatest game of all time, when you consider the longevity, the actual quality of the game, the adaptability, the revenue generated, sales, everything—Grand Theft Auto is up there. They have their fair argument because Grand Theft Auto, for now, what seven, eight, nine—a a long amount of time—has been dominant in the in the field of games. They have a strong fan base, a strong player base, even with. Issues that many fans continue to keep bringing up. And now the movement has seemed to reach a new peak. As on streaming services like Twitch. People are playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto roleplay. There's a lot of crossovers taking place. With popular YouTubers, Twitch streamers, just important figures in general. As the new trend is trying to live in these virtual worlds. And it's a hint at where the gaming industry might be looking at going forward. Trying to further develop the multiplayer landscape and find a way to keep gamers on these games for a longer period of time. And This, of course, plays into my aforementioned virtual reality conversation and trying to figure out is there a way to allow players to create characters that embody who they want to be, the role-playing. And at a core desire that players have, this is surely embodied in some of the most popular games, NBA 2K being probably the most notable one, where people get to scan themselves into the games, build the bodies that they wish they had as players, and go out there and be dominant NBA basketball players. They get to put tattoos, all types of designer clothes, the drip has to be looking right, the haircut has to be looking fresh. There's clearly a desire in the market. And if Grand Theft Auto ever came out with a new game where they had basketball, football, golf, all of these different capabilities in it, the entire industry would bow down to them because there's clearly a market that's massive for an in-depth role-playing game. And that's all I have to say this week. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking your time out of your day to hear my thoughts on what's going on in the world and allowing me to just share what I think will continue to or what will emerge in these different industries. I hope that you took away something new, learned a lesson or two, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. This is Behold Pop Culture.